I'm enjoying working our way through the, the Ten Commandments, top ten, and looking forward each week and seeing how I can be challenged as I prepare. And once again, commandment number eight uh, lands on ears today that might surprise you. You might have walked in today and looked ahead and said, Whew, made it this week safely. Um, I suspect if you are a Christ follower today and the Holy Spirit does live in you when you're born again, that there probably will be some conviction today. And so in light of that, we're going to find out that this commandment, uh, you shall not steal, really applies to every single person in this room, every single person in the link, every single person watching across the world uh, via the internet. You're going to find that you're probably more guilty than you realize. And there probably are some things that you need to do after this service, even during this service, as you make right for what you've done. The truth is this, probably every single person in this room at some point this week, at some point in your life, has been a thief. And maybe you're not aware of it, but maybe today you'll become aware of it. Needless to say, this commandment is for every single person in this room. This commandment leaves zero margin for error. No tolerance. There's, you won't get to the end of this and say, I'm 93% good. 7% you failed. God doesn't somehow look down and, and look at your life and, and you say, you know what, God, I'm doing a really good job this year. I only robbed three out of 10 of the 7-Elevens in Goshen. And he doesn't look and say, well, that's pretty good. 70% of the time you did well. That's not how he looks at it. it, it it's one error, sin, you fall short of doing exactly what God wants you to do. And so either you have 100% of the time followed through with this commandment or you've fallen short and you have been guilty of that. God is not satisfied with our best efforts when it comes to this commandment. This commandment establishes stability and respect for people to function and live out their lives without fear. I think you'll find at the end of this message that you and I have some work to do. If this wasn't a problem that you shall not steal, then... Think about this. Why would we need security systems in our homes? I'm always kind of just bothered by the fact that when I leave the offices, if I'm the last one out or if I'm the first one in, I have to walk to the wall at at a church and I have to either engage the security system or I have to unlock the security system. In my mind, something's wrong when in a society that we live in, that somehow there has to be a security system in church. It's almost an oxymoron putting those together. Why should we have security? If we believe that this commandment isn't broken, then why do we have security systems in our world? Why do we have locks on our vehicles? Why do you have keyed numbers at homes, pad entries for your garage doors? Why do you have security systems at home if there isn't a need for loss prevention? Why do we have padlocks and combination locks? Why can't we just live and leave our doors wide open? And, 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 and some of us say, go back to the old days where we never locked the doors and, and we didn't have to worry because there are thieves, there are robbers, there are people who will break in and take things. Wouldn't it be nice if we lived in a society where everyone adhered to the eighth commandment, you shall not steal? Seriously, ask yourself this question. How much time have you personally, or even as a homeowner or a business owner, spent this past year in, in, in putting loss prevention measures into your personal life? In fact, $50 billion is lost every year for U.S. businesses because of employee theft. 
not just someone else, but employees. $50 billion is lost to employee theft. 20% of every dollar earned by U.S. businesses is lost by employee theft. Every $1.80 goes to the employer, and he works it out and distributes to his needs or his costs. 20% is lost. He just puts it into his profit measure for loss. 20% by employees alone. 75% of all employees have stolen something. You might say, well, I've never stolen anything. You might find that during this message that there have been times that you have stolen. And maybe you're stealing something right now, and you need to make do on what you've stolen and go back and repay your debts. There are even professional shoplifters in our world. Companies and businesses and stores and have people that they pay within their, their own store to go to another store to professionally shoplift to see how well the security systems they have in place are operating. And so literally, they'll, they'll send you from one department store to another department store, and you'll go in your shoplift just to see if the employees or the loss prevention manager, manager is able to see that. I worked at Kmart in my early years, part-time in the evenings, and then I worked some full-time prior going to the post office. I was an appliance manager for about a year or two. And one of the many things at, at Kmart, we had a loss prevention manager, and he had a code. If someone was shoplifting and they were exiting the store, the code would be broadcast through the, the sound system in the store, and there were a few of us who were selected, and if we heard that, we ushered our way to the front, and literally, the loss prevention manager, sometimes him, he, he would say, hey, there goes that person. They stole some shoes. Go get them. And so I was often in on this. I'm 20 years old. There weren't, weren't many people who could outrun me. And so I'd go to the front, and I can remember chasing down people across the parking lot. I remember tackling guys and gals in our parking lot, carrying stuff, leaving Kmart. You talk about adrenaline rush? can recall one time chasing a guy that stole some boots back in the shoe department. Tom Kramer called me in the front. He said, Jim, that guy just stole some shoes. I walked outside and I said, hey, sir, we want to talk to you. And he just took off and bolted. He was 60 yards ahead of me. I chased him out across the parking lot, ran across a, a highway into a used car dealership in around the Ford F-150s into the new, tackled him between two Ford F-150s grabbed his boots. This guy was high on drugs and crack, cocaine. His eyes were beady. He got up and he starts swinging and kicking and spitting on me. And I thought, man, take the shoes. It's just, but there were many times I was involved. I was even hired at our store as a professional shoplifter. I was pretty good at it, by the way. I mean, look at his face. Does it look like I'm going to shoplift? And so they would send me to other Kmarts, and I would go to other Kmarts. I can recall a time I went to West Virginia, about 30 minutes away, and uh, went to a Kmart, and you would call the, the, the manager of the store and say, hey, I'm coming in, I'm Jim Brown, I'm coming to shoplift at your store. And so the manager of the store knew it. He wouldn't tell anyone else. He wouldn't tell anybody in there because he didn't want them to have, be able to receive me. I always remember driving this place just hoping that he remembered that conversation as I'm shoplifting there. There's always that sense of, of anxiety that you had just a little bit. Maybe it was just a not wanting to do wrong. And so they give you $500. You'd walk into a Kmart and you would go and you would shoplift whatever you could, get what you get. And so I would get flashlights and jam stuff into the tubes of the flashlights. I would take comforters and unzip them, throw things in there. I would switch tags 
cassette tapes. I remember the cassette holders, a 24-pack, took 24 cassettes. I was really good at this. I had to remember when I was doing it and when I wasn't supposed to do it, too. <laughs> but you'd work your way to the counter, and then I can recall one time getting $998 of merchandise from a place after $500, and just hoping that when I went to the service desk, I said, when, when, up, when up, went up there, just hoping and remembering the phone call. But we have security systems set up in our world because people steal. And you're going to be convicted today during this message. And you might find yourself making some phone calls after this service. You might find yourselves going into the workplace and emitting some things, making do on what you've taken I want you to look at this commandment. Turn to Exodus chapter 20. Turn to Exodus chapter 20. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. I'll say this again. If you don't have a Bible, take this one with you. Bring it back next week so you don't have to ask for one next week. Exodus chapter 20, and look at verse 15. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 15. Please take a Bible. We're going to walk you through the Bible, and we want you to follow along with us. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 15. Genesis, Exodus. Stand with me. We'll read this commandment together. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 15. Let's read this. Ready? Read. You shall not steal. Read it again. You shall not steal. You have a seat. What's the commandment? You shall not steal. I could say this every week. I say it every week. All right. In Jesus' name, amen. Go, leave, don't steal. You would think that we would just obey You would think that as Christ followers, we would say that's what God's word is and that's what we need to do. You would think as Christ followers that there wouldn't be any stealing amongst us, but we know that's not the case. You see, stealing is a symptom of something wrong, much deeper inside of us. It's something that's, this is what happens on the outside, but underneath there, there's something wrong underneath that causes us to think that we need this without paying for it, to take this without asking for it. There's something underneath. Outside, what we actually do is only a symptom of what's taking place in the heart itself. So what is stealing? What's the legal definition of stealing? It's to take another person's property without permission or legal right and without intending to return it. It's to take another person's property without permission or legal right, without intending to return it. It's to take something you've earned, been given or purchased by your own volitional will. It's to take something that you have not earned, been given or purchased by your own volitional will. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4 and I'm going to show you where the problem begins. Proverbs chapter 4. Look at verse 23 of Proverbs chapter 4. This is where it begins. This is why an individual chooses to steal. Look at Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Above all else, what should we do with our hearts? Guard them. For it is the wellspring of life. Above all else, guard your heart. Because it's the wellspring of life. Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 says, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. So literally in scripture, we're 
we're told that we need to protect what goes into our heart because what goes into our heart comes out through our hands, through our words and our actions. So we're supposed to guard it so that we can protect ourselves from doing and not doing what, what God wants us to do. So when we steal, we believe a lie to be true. When we steal, we believe a lie to be true. We deny God's ability to care for our needs. And we question his goodness when we take something that's not ours. By stealing, we admit that we do not think that God is sovereign and he can care for all our needs. We'll sing songs, we'll go to worship services, we'll read the Bible, yet we think, I could do a better job of caring for myself because God cannot supply all my riches in Christ Jesus. And so what we do, we deny the sovereignty and power of God and we say, God, I got this one on my own. I know you can't take this one. This is too big. So I will take for myself. We take things into our own hands. We somehow believe that we will be happier, more satisfied if we get what we have not earned. By the way, stealing is not only taking something that is yours, but it's keeping something for yourself that God had intended you to use for someone else. That's, that's a whole other side to stealing that you might not have even thought of. It's not only keeping something for yourself that God has, that, that, that God has intended to use for someone else, but it's taking something. So there's a sense where God is giving you gifts, God is giving you abilities, God's giving you these things, and he has intended you to pass it on to someone else. But if you keep it, what you've done is stolen. Stealing is admitting that we are not totally content in God alone. You see, when we begin to keep stuff for ourselves and think, well, I, I deserve this. I don't need to pass this on. What we've done, we've taken Psalm 24, 1, says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We're saying that this is mine and it's not God's. You see, everything we own or ever own or ever possess that ever have that you have today, it's not yours. It's God. And so when you live in such a way and you say, you know what, this isn't mine. And you, what happens is when you do that, you open your hands and you don't hold stuff so tightly. You're more apt to give it away. You're more apt to share it. You're more apt to let's give it to someone who needs it more than you do. Instead of holding on to it and say, I earned this. I deserve this. I worked harder than them. Instead of saying that when you say it's God's and God wants us to pass it on, so it's not ours. Yet what would happen if we truly lived that way, if we believed that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, instead of, well, this is mine. I worked 27 years at this place for this, and you're not taking it away from me. It's not ours. Your money's not yours. It's God's. Stealing is admitting that we are not totally content in God alone. We are saying that thing will bring us satisfaction more satisfaction than Jesus Christ. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 30, and I'm going to challenge you with the verse that just kind of just pops out into 3D. When is the last time that you've prayed this proverb over your life? Look at Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 8. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 8. Look what it says. Keep falsehood and what? Lies far from me. Well, I'm okay with that. I'd pray that, dear God. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Look what it says next, though. Give me neither what? Poverty nor riches. 
but give me only my what? Look again. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. When's the last time you prayed that? You said, you know what, God? I don't need this excess. I don't need this extra. I don't need two of them and three of them. I don't need this storage shed with all this stuff. Just give me what I need for today, God. God, don't give me poverty, but Lord, don't give me riches. Just give me my daily bread. When's the last time you've actually, that's kind of like, you're good with that. God, I just want to make it daily. God, I don't need more than, I don't need three weeks supply. I don't need six weeks supply. I just need my daily bread. Don't make me poor. Keep me away from poverty, but don't make me rich. Just give me enough to exist daily. When's the last time you were willing to pray a prayer like that? You see, what that does, it puts total dependence upon Jesus Christ. So why do people steal? Why do you steal? It begins because there's an identity crisis. We have an identity issue. You see, our identity should not be different than Christ's identity. I want you to think about that for a second. Our identity should not be different than Christ's identity. Yet we steal when we have an identity crisis. We say, well, this would make me better. This would make me look better. This would bump me up in that person's eyes. I would feel better about myself if I owned and I drove one of those, if I had one of these, if I could touch one of those, if I, if I had this in my possession, if I could work there, if I could be closer to them, if I could have this. And there's all these identity crises around the world that we have because people aren't satisfied where they're at with what they have in Jesus Christ alone. It should not matter where you live. It should not matter at all what you own. It should not matter what you drive. It should not matter how many letters at the end of your name or in the front of your name. Your identity should be in Christ. And the truth is this, our identity should not be different than Christ's identity. Think about that for a second. Do you think Jesus ever walks through the day and says, boy, I wish I had one of those. Boy, if I just had the ability to do that. Oh, if I just were able to, to be there. You think Christ ever has an identity crisis? And here's the reality. You and I who know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. It says that our identity is in Christ because Christ lives in us. And we, are, we have inherited his inheritance from the above. And everything that raised him from the dead, the power that did that, lives in us. Jesus is in us, lives through us, empowers us. If that's not enough, then I, I pity the fool. Seriously, if that's not enough. We have an identity crisis. Your identity should not be any different than what Christ thinks about himself. But is it? Well, if I just were able to to go there, just one more, God. If I had two of them, that way when this broke down, I could use this one. Some of us have reserves that we'll never, ever use. And just in case something would happen. Why do we steal? Because there's an identity issue. Why do we steal? Because we think we don't have enough. And so, there's a list. You know, for me personally, it's like, when I see a Lowe's or Home Depot, I have to be really, really careful when I go in there because I walk into the tool department, it's like, and I see that tool that's not on my tool uh, in my shop at home, it's like, I didn't even know they made one like that. It's like, oh. 
And so there's this sense when I walk into sporting goods stores and, and I see, you know, th- this equipment or I walk into a golf place or if I go into an Adidas outlet, man, it's like, oh, those things rock. And so I have to literally just sometimes say, I'm not even gone shopping because I'll see all these things that I think I need. And let me tell you, empl- employers are, are, are smart. Businesses are smart. Why, why do you think they have a new model every year? Who said you had to have a new model every year? Who said that new cars had to be made every year? Who said that couldn't have been every four years? You know what? If it was every four years, we would have been fine with that. But they're smart. They know if they just tweak it a little bit, you'll want to trade in and trade out and trade up and, and trade over. Because they know if you see it, you'll want it. We steal because we, des- we think we deserve what others have. Well, I deserve that. I work just as hard, and my kids are just as smart, and why does she get that? Well, I should get that, and if I don't get it, then I will get it. We, we take because we think we deserve more. We steal because we want what we have not earned. And if we don't have what we have not earned, we begin to tear other people down. And so somehow it makes us feel better about ourselves. You know, this is so common in our world. You'll see someone and you, they got four kids, you got three kids and you got three kids and four kids and you'll start comparing yourselves and say, well, well, I, how come they are able to have that? How come they have that? And so what we do, we start tearing other people's down. We'll knock a limb off and we'll cut them off at the head and we'll knock them at the waist and say, boy, it feels so good to knock them down and just lift me up. And so we have these people who just assault other people with their words so that it knocks them down, lifts them up, and they think they'll feel better about themselves. Listen, you won't find identity in beating someone up with your words. It's only in Jesus Christ. Yet, you'll see it everywhere. You see, the minute you begin to try to compare yourself and want to be like a man, you fail. We should only look at Jesus Christ and say, I want to be like him because men will let you down. The truth is this, God is always good. Man is not. Don't get the two confused. Know what you're looking at. God is always good. Man is not. Don't get the two confused. But many people who steal by cutting people down with their words believe just the opposite. Your words never destroy a man who knows his identity in Jesus Christ. It's been interesting through the years to watch how that's unfolded you have been the recipient of many people trying to knock you down. Maybe you, get, maybe you get moved up in a position and maybe they didn't get moved up. So they started assaulting you because they wanted what you have and so they assault you with their words. Numerous times through the years, Grace Community has been the assault of many, many people. I, I can tell you some national blogs, it's just, it, they come across my plates. Like they say stuff about us and I think, you don't even know us. I don't even know you. And I don't even care about you. It just appears, I just chuckle and laugh. One time we were called the circus church. It's like, I didn't even know this person. And just chuckle and just say, God, zap them. That's what I said. Just take care of them. <laughs> because vengeance is mine, saith Lord, I will repay. But you'll hear all kinds of things. People are jealous and they have envy. And so they try to steal and get what they want with their words. By the way, stealing takes on many forms too in our lives, especially in the workplace. Turn to Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. 
Colossians chapter 3. Look at verse 23. Stealing takes on many forms in, even in the workplace. Paul says this regarding our, our work ethic. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your what? As working for the what? And not for what? You know, if we really did that, that would change our Monday mornings. Imagine, when you punched in, you're saying, well, I'm not doing it for that cranky old boss and that supervisor and that, that person there and that, that man there. We would punch in and say, God, this is for you. All glory go to you. I am working as hard as I can for you, not for them, but for you. It changes everything. And so literally, when you go to work, when you, you punch in, we're supposed to be working as if we're working to the Lord so that he gets exalted. Someone looks at you and says, that person works differently. Look at that work. Why do you work so hard? Because I'm doing it for my Savior. Not for you, but for my Savior. And I want to exalt his name. And so in the workplace, that doesn't always show up though. In fact, you know what happens in the workplace? Here's some ways that we steal. We steal time. We show up late. We, we leave early. We spend time surfing the internet, just catching up. We view more porn during work hours than any hours during the day. Statistics show that. More porn is viewed during the work day than it is at any other time. We watch the clock instead of, of, of our work. We, we don't give our best because of feeling like we deserve more. Well, I'm not working for him because he doesn't notice me or she didn't notice me. And I'm, I'm cutting back and I, I don't care what the rest of you say. He hasn't rewarded me. Listen, you're not working for him. You're working for him. And so you give your absolute best. So you steal time in the workplace. You do less and get paid more is the motto of many Americans. Well, I'll do less and I'll get paid more. I deserve more. You've been, you, you know, you, you've been accused of it and I have too. I mean, there's, I, I can recall different employers along the way. I've tried to adopt this motto, even shared it with our kids and my wife has too. It's a motto we live with. Work hard as if you're working for the Lord. Don't lag behind. Don't be the guy who does less Lead the way, pave the way, be the person out front. May you, people always look ahead and see you leading the way in the workplace because you're doing it for Jesus Christ. I've been accused and you have too. I can think of times when I worked the post office, we unloaded trucks and then I went to sorting mail and I just, hey man, I'm working for God and I want to do a good job. And so I would go grab a sack and, and I would run it back and dump it and I'd run back and grab another one and run it back and run it. And I remember a guy looking at me one time, he'd been there for like 15, 20 years. He says, dude, you're making us look bad. He says, why don't you slow down? What are you trying to say? And I actually said, dude, I'm not working for you. I'm working for him. You know, if we did that and took it to the workplace, Christians would, would stand out and stand above in the workplace. We steal possessions in the workplace that don't belong to us, like ink pens. Well, I really like that ink pen. It has a nice clicker to it. Oh, I really like that paper. In fact, I'm going to print some copies, but you know, it won't hurt. They print so many copies here. What's three more copies at two cents a sheet? That's only six cents, but that six cents adds up. Listen to me. There's zero tolerance for stealing in God's eyes. 
Some of you need to go buy a new ream of paper and give it back to your employer. We steal supplies and we steal electricity. We go in on our time and turn on their AC and their electric and their lights because we deserve that. Some of you need to pay some NIPSCO bills. We pad our expense accounts. We travel and say, boy, it's on his money, so I'll take the number 13 meal that's three times more than I would purchase if it was my own money. How often do you do that? It's easy spending someone else's money, isn't it? It's like, I don't have any problem getting the, the big steak. You know, I'll take the, the give me a, can we have two boxes to take this home? I'll eat it the rest of the week. But listen, spend as if it was your own money you were spending. Some of us steal on our expense reports. We steal the good name of other people because it just feels good. And you know what we do? We keep taking people back to before Christ times and a miserable time in their life. And it's like, let me tell you when I used to know them, boy, they used to be like this. They were like that. Yeah, you know, you, I don't know if I'd trust them now. Just, just watch them. As if Jesus Christ can't radically transform and the Holy Spirit doesn't live in them and they aren't a new creation in Jesus Christ. And so you know what you do? We'll go back before and say, boy, I don't know if I could trust them. We've been, they got to earn their way and they've been Christians for 10, 15, and 20 years. We try to steal someone's name, a good name. Oh, it happens all the time. People try to reduce my name from brown to clown to down. I mean, it's just, it's been hilarious watching it. You see, we steal by gossiping with our words. We defame a person with a statement or two. And we murder them with our words. We speak lies about them under the umbrella. Well, Jesus just wants me to do it in Jesus' name. He wanted me to say this. And I want you to, well, you know, oftentimes I hear people say, well, don't you think he would have told me too that he wanted me to receive it? Oh, when I was a kid, we used to sing a song. And I always think about how people steal people's names with gossip and words. I always think of the song I learned as a kid. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down below. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. It's like a good reminder. Spirit just brings it up when, when something comes to the tip of my tongue and I wonder, blah, 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 blah. oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say, Jimmy. <laughs> we steal what a person deserves in wages, employers do, so that we can make money for ourselves. Pay them less and take advantage of someone who just needs a job. Well, they just need a job. You know, the, the, the economy's down. I could pay them just barely minimum wage. And even though they have this, this ability to do this, and so we pay them less. Let me tell you, employers, if that's the reason and motive behind, watch out. That's called stealing in God's eyes. How do I know that? Turn to Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27. Look at Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27. Proverbs 3 and verse 27. Proverbs 3 and verse 27 says this. Do not withhold what? Good from those who what? Deserve it when it's in your power to act. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to act. That's saying to those who are employers... If you have the ability to care for that person's needs and do good for them, don't withhold it. When you have it in your ability to do so, bless them. Go over and above. Be generous. We steal by cheating on our taxes. We don't report things that 
or $500 or less, whatever the new number is for this year that we've earned, that we've sold on eBay. We do deals under the table with labor, and and you know when someone says, hey, just just pay this with cash. (laughs) Can I have a receipt? No, just just pay with cash. Someone's not reporting labor. We steal by doing stuff under the table. We don't include miscellaneous income. We steal by not returning what we've borrowed. A book, a toll, a DVD. How many of you have stuff right now in your home that you just, hey, I want to borrow that. Can I borrow that? Sure, you can borrow, you gonna bring it back? Yeah, bring it back. And it's been at your home, a book. And when you open it up, it's got someone else's name in the front. But, you know, it's been so long, you never really finished it. And, but they, they, they just borrowed it. And now it's yours because they've never said anything. So it's mine. How many of you have borrowed a, a tool? And, and you get it over and you're, man, this thing's awesome. This thing really works. And so... They don't say anything for a week or two or three or four or five or six or seven. Before you know, you're just out using that baby all the time. And you walked in your workshop right now. It's not even your tool. You're just never taking it back. You better define what borrow means before you justify keeping something that you borrowed. Now, borrowing some eggs is different than borrowing a tool. How many objects are there in your possession that belong to someone else? It's called highway robbery, otherwise. We steal by not paying back what we have promised to pay back. Loans, mortgages, $20. Hey, can I borrow? I'm a little short here, five bucks. Hey, I need 75 cents. Can I borrow 75 cents? Sure, here's 75. And we never pay back. It's called stealing. And so we build these collections of debts and we refuse to pay them back. And then we wonder why the favor of God's not on our lives. Maybe it's because you've broken this commandment and there's living proof in your house. And you walk home today and say, oh, there, oh, there, oh, there, oh, there. Or you go to your shed and say, oh, I haven't returned this. Maybe you have some loans that you defaulted on. Talked to a man this week. Actually, Jeremiah was telling me about a man that defaulted on a mortgage. They declared bankruptcy. And so he was able to declare bankruptcy, but he wanted to do something about it. And so even though he received bankruptcy, he continues to pay money back to the bank and just sends them monthly checks. He doesn't even have to. He just feels indebted because he still has a debt. Wouldn't that change a banker's view of someone? Dude, why are you doing this? Because I have a savior who wants me to pay back my debts. We still by not giving our tithes to God. And some of you rob God every Sunday by not giving 10%. And you're okay with that. And then you pray to God, please, God, can you do this? Please, God, can you do this for me? Please, God, can you heal this? Please, God. He's saying, you're robbing me and you're asking me for more? We steal by charging outrageous fees to our customers. Well, this guy, he's really got a lot of money. She has a lot. Let's double the cost of this this expense for them. 
instead of recognizing maybe they just worked hard and earned it and they've been generous and so God has given it to them and maybe you need to be generous by doing the right thing and not charging an exorbitant cost. We steal the ideas and work of others and then claim it as our own. We steal by taking answers off of tests in the classroom of someone who's labored hard and studied and we position ourselves as students so that our right eye can see one through 10, A, B, C, D, all the above. Wow, I didn't know that. No wonder you didn't know it. You didn't study, but he knew it. And we're okay with that. Well, everyone cheats. No, Christ followers don't break the eighth commandment. You're better off failing a test than to fail a test with God. We steal hope and joy from others. When they share with us and this person comes to, we're supposed to be brokers of hope as Christ followers. Someone comes to you and says, I really believe that this could happen. I really believe that this new, new, new idea that we've had and we prayed about and we're going to try it. And, and they come to you and they're excited because it's been birthed out of prayer and you haven't prayed a lick about it. And they come and they share this thing with you. And the words out of your mouth, you steal joy and you steal hope from them by saying, well, just want to let you know seven other people have tried that and they failed. You think you're going to do it? We steal hope and joy from people who believe that their God is big and capable of doing things. By the way, if that's happened to you, don't go back to that person again. We steal the innocence of a person's purity by having sex before marriage. And so we rob this person of this thing that's supposed to be God's gift on the wedding night and we rob them. We steal it from, listen to me, some of you have stolen that. You need to make do on that. The list goes on. We have identity theft, stealing social security numbers and credit card numbers. You see, probably more of us are thieves than what we realize. You see, we have an enemy called the devil who in John 10.10 is called a thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We're no better off than he is when we do that. So what are some steps we should take once we've acknowledged that we've stolen? Well, the Old Testament had a whole list. Look at, look at Exodus chapter 22. Exodus chapter 22. Look what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to pay back their debts, to pay back the things that they stole. Look at Exodus 22. Look at verse 1. It says, if a man steals an ox or sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he must pay back five head of cattle for the ox and four sheep for the sheep. If a thief is caught breaking in and is struck so that he dies, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed, but if it happens after sunrise, he is guilty of bloodshed. If a thief must certainly make restitution, but if he has nothing, he must be sold to be paid for his theft. If a stolen animal was found alive in his possession, whether an ox or donkey or sheep, he must pay how much back? Double back. If a man grazes his livestock in a field or vineyard and lets them stray, and they graze in another man's field, he must make restitution from the best of his own field or vineyard. If a fire breaks out and spreads into the thorn bushes so that it burns shocks of grain or standing grain in the whole field, the one who started the fire must take, make restitution. There's this sense in scripture that says, pay back your debts, pay back your debts, pay back your debts. 
Don't remain a thief. Make good on what you've taken and stolen. First, repent. And go in the opposite direction and begin to pay back your debts. Be willing to pay back your debts. In fact, in the New Testament, Paul gives us a prescription if we're called people who steal. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 28 of Ephesians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians chapter 4. Says, he who has been what? Stealing. Look, at, look, look with me. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28. He who has been what? Stealing. By the way, it's the Greek word klepto. It's where we get kleptomaniac. He who has been klepto must steal no longer, but must what? Do something useful with his own what? That he may have something to what? Share with those in need. The prescription is this. Stop stealing. Start working. Give instead of taking. There's a sense there's a change of behavior. Stop causing the problem and find a solution to it. Honesty, industry, and charity. It says, if you've been stealing, stop it. Change your behavior, start working with your hands, and when you produce, start giving away, start giving back, start give, 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 be a generous person. And a Christ follower is a generous person. And a person who has sinned in the area of stealing says, I need to get a job, I need to pay back, and I need to give, 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 and just be like my Savior, the giver of life. At the heart of stealing is a lack of faith in Jesus Christ. Every time we steal something, it causes separation between us and God. I'm not sure where you find yourself in the room today, but I suppose you might be feeling a little bit guilty. In order to reverse the habit of stealing and sinning, we must confess and repent and go in a different direction. The solution to our pollution that's in our heart is to love Jesus. Seriously, you sh- I showed you last week. It's this picture of drinking, trying to drink water through a, a muffler tailpipe. You saw me do that last week. It says, from our hearts come our actions. And it says this, the more Jesus you put into your heart, it pushes out the pollution. And so our intent is to get closer to Jesus to find the love of Jesus. And when there's more Jesus, it pushes out the junk. And so in order for that to happen, we have to spend time with him. The solution to our pollution is to love Jesus. More of him removes all of us. Romans 13, verses 8 to 10, Paul gives the final conclusion to this. Turn back to Romans chapter 13, look at verses 8 to 10. He sums it up when it comes to stealing this way. Look at Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. Paul says this, Romans chapter 8 and verse, or chapter 13, verses 8 to 10. He says this, let no what? Debt remain outstanding. Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to what? Love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not what? Steal. Do not covet. 
and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up with this one rule. Here's, here's the answer. Here's the prescription to our sin. Love your neighbor as what? Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. That's the solution. And when you begin to love others more than you love yourself, you begin to live an outward life instead of a selfish life. You begin to think more highly of others than you do yourself. Let me also just say this. I don't want you doing stuff out of duty. If you're just doing it out of duty to check it off, it really doesn't benefit you in the long run. Always remember this. Your behavior will not produce love, but love will alter your behavior. Your behavior will not produce love, but love that's inside of you will alter your behavior. And how does that happen? By spending time with Jesus, you're pushing out the junk. So it's the love from within that alters the way you live. Now, not just doing it, Doing this behavior doesn't produce love. Love comes from within. It alters your behavior. Through the years, I've learned this. In 50 years of life watching people, I've learned and witnessed that the most generous people I know always seem to have more. They just do. More joy, more love, more income, more things. And I really believe this is why, because all they do is give away and they can't outgive God. You show me someone who just continues to give to God, even in offerings and worship and helping other people, they just can't keep up with what God keeps giving back. Show me the least generous people, they're always asking for more. They can never get on top because they haven't learned that it's not theirs, it's all God's. It comes back to trust. Who do you trust? Do you trust Jesus or do you trust things, positions, stuff? You see, most of you in this room will trust Jesus with the afterlife, but you don't trust him with your current life. It's like, yeah, I trust Jesus with the afterlife. Well, everything will get better then, but somehow you don't trust Jesus with your current life. A Christ follower who's secure in his identity in Jesus Christ wakes up each morning and says, you know what? God is sovereign. God is in control. This is going to be a great day and I'm going to give everything I have so that he is exalted. So who do you trust? Would you trust the God that's capable of doing this? Ask yourself this question. Would you trust a God who is available to everyone who is the comforter and carer, who cleanses the lepers, who heals the sick, who delivers the captives, who blesses the young, who loves the elderly, who beautifies the meek, who rewards the diligent, who is the prince of peace, who's the wonderful counselor, who is the mighty God, whose goodness is limitless, whose love never changes, whose reign is righteous, who loves you, who forgives you, who has no predecessors, who has no successors, who was in the grave, but it couldn't hold him, where we know there was no one before him and no one after him, who is a God of grace. Do you trust Jesus Christ enough 